Hey, it's Brian, back with another Burr Month's bonus episode. And happy October! It's one of my favorite months of the year, and it really reminds me of the beautiful autumns I grew up with in New England, with apple picking and hay rides and pumpkin patches and all of that. And even though I make my home in California now, the air is getting crisp here too, though it doesn't quite have that sweet autumn scent you get in New England. But a crisp October evening, no matter where you are, is just perfect for a warm cup of cider, a cozy blanket, and a Christmas story. But before we get to that, indulge me for a moment as I tell you about some exciting stuff. The coming season of Christmas past, and I mean the real one, not these Burr Months bonuses, is going to start off with a bang. I've mentioned this on social media and also in my bonus episode about Leon Day back in June, but I have put together what just may be the very first Christmas true crime podcast series. It's called My Dear Santa, A True Crime Christmas Caper. Now, don't worry, it's true crime Brian Earl style, so nothing scary or gruesome. It's actually a little-known piece of Christmas history that takes place around the turn of the 20th century in New York City. So on Thanksgiving Day, all six episodes of the series will drop, Netflix-style. And you'll find everything right here in the regular podcast feed for Christmas Past. So look for that on Thanksgiving Day, and then you'll have all of Thanksgiving weekend to binge listen. Then after that, we're back to business as usual with the backstories behind your favorite Christmas traditions and, of course, your Christmas memories. Additionally, this season we'll have the first ever Christmas Past live show as recorded at the Great Dickens Christmas Fair in San Francisco. This season really is going to be the biggest and best one yet, and I can't wait to share it with you. Now, second of all, I wanted to remind you about some events. This one's for all of you out there who love those made-for-TV Christmas romances, and you know the ones I'm talking about. Well, I'll be appearing at ChristmasCon in Edison, New Jersey on November 9th. And if you haven't heard about it yet, ChristmasCon is a new conference where you can see and meet the stars of your favorite Christmas movies. And that list of stars just keeps growing. Lacey Chabert, Jack A. Harry, Melissa Joan Hart, Nikki Deloche, Alicia Witt, Holly Robinson-Pete, and on and on and on. I'll be there too as part of a Christmas podcasters panel, joined by Tim Babb from Can't Wait for Christmas, the boys from Deck the Hallmark, and Alonzo Duralde from The Rap will moderate. Get your tickets at that'sforentertainment.com. That's that's the number four, entertainment.com. And if I were you, I'd get on that soon because tickets are going fast. I also thought you'd want to know about Christmasland on December 15th in Los Angeles. It's an immersive experience that'll make you feel like you're walking into your favorite Christmas movies. With a gingerbread decorating competition, a crafting corner, and carolers serenading. There's also going to be a live panel discussion with some Hallmark favorites. So follow Christmasland Experience on Instagram at Christmasland Experience for ticket sale announcements and more event details. And make sure you listen to Christmas Past because I'll be giving you updates and details here too as they develop. Okay, that was the end of announcement time, and this is the beginning of story time. This is a 1922 story called The Christmas Present originally published in a magazine called Truth and written by Rishmal Crompton. It's cute and funny, and it might even serve as inspiration for one or two of you out there. You'll see what I mean. But before we start, I feel like this does need just a tiny bit of setup, because a few times a character's name is dropped before that character is even introduced. 
So the characters in the story are Mary and John Clay, a married couple who live at Chrome Farm. And then there's Jane and James, Mary's aunt and uncle. Jane is Mary's blood relation whose maiden name was Crew. Okay, that's all you need for setup. I'll be back at the end to wrap up and say goodbye. But for now, snuggle up, get cozy, and enjoy the Christmas present. Mary Clay looked out the window of the old farmhouse. The view was dreary enough. Hill and field and woodland, bare, colorless, mist-covered, with no other house in sight. She had never been a woman to crave for company. She liked sewing. She was passionately fond of reading. She was not fond of talking. Probably she could have been very happy at Chrome Farm alone. Before her marriage, she had looked forward to the long evenings with her sewing and reading. She knew that she would be busy enough in the day, for the farmhouse was old and rambling, and she was to have no help in the housework. But she looked forward to quiet, peaceful, lamp-lit evenings. And only lately, after ten years of marriage, had she reluctantly given up the hope of them. For peace was far enough from the old farm kitchen in the evening, it was driven away by John Clay's loud voice. Raised always in orders or complaints, or in the stumbling, incoherent reading aloud of his newspaper. Mary was a silent woman herself, and a lover of silence. But John liked to hear the sound of his voice. He liked to shout at her, to call to her from one room to another. Above all, he liked to hear his voice reading the paper out loud to her in the evening. She dreaded that most of all. It had lately seemed to jar on her nerves till she felt that she must scream aloud. His voice going on and on, raucous and sing-song, became unspeakably irritating. His, Mary, summoning her from her household work to wherever he happened to be. His, get my slippers, or bring me my pipe, exasperated her, almost to the point of rebellion. Get your own slippers had trembled on her lips, but had never passed them, for she was a woman who could not bear anger. Noise of any kind appalled her. She had borne it for ten years, so surely she could go on with it. Yet today, as she gazed hopelessly at the wintry countryside, she became acutely conscious that she could not go on with it. Something must happen, yet what was there that could happen? It was Christmas next week. She smiled ironically at the thought. Then she noticed the figure of her husband coming up the road. He came in at the gate and round to the side door. Mary! She went slowly in answer to the summons. He held a letter in his hand. Met the postman, he said. From your aunt. She opened the letter and read it in silence. Both of them knew quite well what it contained. She wants us to go over for Christmas again, said Mary. He began to grumble. She's deaf as a post. She's almost as deaf as her mother was. She ought to know better than to ask folks over when she can't hear a word anyone says. Mary said nothing. He always grumbled about the invitation at first, but really, he wanted to go. He liked to talk to her uncle. He liked the change of going down to the village for a few days and hearing all its gossip. He could quite well leave the farm to the hands for that time. The crew deafness was proverbial. Mary's great-grandmother had gone stone-deaf at the age of 35. Her daughter had inherited the affliction, and her granddaughter, 
the aunt with whom Mary had spent her childhood, had inherited it also at exactly the same age. All right, he said at last grudgingly, as though in answer to her silence. We'd better go. Write and say we'll go. It was Christmas Eve. They were in the kitchen of her uncle's farmhouse. The deaf old woman sat in her chair by the fire, knitting. Upon her sunken face there was a curious sardonic smile that was her habitual expression. The two men stood in the doorway. Mary sat at the table, looking aimlessly out the window. Outside, the snow fell in blinding showers. Inside, the fire gleamed onto the copper pots and pans, the crockery on the old oak dresser, and the hams hanging from the ceiling. Suddenly, James turned. Jane, he said. The deaf woman never stirred. Jane! Still, there was no answer upon the enigmatic old face by the fireside. Jane! She turned slightly toward the voice. Get them photos from upstairs to show John, he bawled. What about the boats? She said. Photos, roared her husband. Coats? She quavered. Mary looked from one to the other. The man made a gesture of irritation and went out of the room. He came back with a pile of picture postcards in his hand. It's quicker to do a thing oneself, he grumbled. They're what my brother sent from Switzerland, where he's working now. It's a fine land, to judge from the views of it. John took them from his hand. She gets worse, he said, nodding toward the old woman. She was sitting, gazing at the fire. Her lips curled into the curious smile. Her husband shrugged his shoulders. She's nigh as bad as her mother was, and her grandmother. Aye, it takes longer to tell her to do something than to do it myself. And deaf folks get a bit stupid, too. Can't see what you mean. They're best let alone. The other man nodded and lit his pipe. Then James opened the door. The snow stopped, he said. Shall we go to the end of the village and back? The other nodded and took his cap from behind the door. A gust of cold air filled the room as they went out. Mary took a paper-backed book from the table and came over to the fireplace. Mary! She started. It was not the sharp, querulous voice of the deaf old woman. It was more like the voice of the young aunt whom Mary remembered in childhood. The old woman was leaning forward, looking at her intently. Mary, a happy Christmas to you. And, as if in spite of herself, Mary answered in her ordinary low tones. The same to you, Auntie. Thank you, thank you. Mary gasped. Aunt, can you hear me speaking like this? The old woman laughed, silently rocking to and fro in her chair as if with pent-up merriment of years. Yes, I can hear you, child. I've always heard you. Mary clasped her hands eagerly. Then, you're cured, aunt. Aye, I'm cured as far as there ever was anything to be cured. You, I was never deaf, child, nor never will be, please God. I've took you all in fine. Mary stood up in bewilderment. You, never deaf? The old woman chuckled again. No, nor my mother nor her mother neither. Mary shrank back from her. I... I don't know what you mean, she said unsteadily. You've been... pretending? I'll make you a Christmas present of it, dearie, said the old woman. 
My mother made me a Christmas present of it when I was your age, and her mother made her one. I haven't a lass of my own to give it to, so I give it to you. It can come on quite sudden-like if you want it, and then you can hear what you choose and not hear what you choose. Do you see? She leaned nearer and whispered, You're shut out of it all, of having to fetch and carry for them, answering their daft questions and running their errands like a dog. I've watched you, my lass. You don't get much peace, do you? Mary was trembling. Oh, I don't know what to think, she said. I... I couldn't do it. Do what you like, said the old woman. Take it as a present anyways. The crew deafness for a Christmas present. She chuckled. Use it or not, as you like. You'll find it main amusing anyways. And into the old face there came again that curious smile as if she carried in her heart some jest fit for the gods of Olympus. The door opened suddenly with another gust of cold air, and the two men came in again, covered with fine snow. I, I'll not do it, whispered Mary, trembling. We didn't get far, it's coming on again, remarked John, hanging up his cap. The old woman rose and began to lay the supper, silently and deftly, moving from cupboard to table without looking up. Mary sat by the fire, motionless and speechless, her eyes fixed on the glowing coals. Any sign of the deafness in her? whispered James, looking towards Mary. It came on my wife just as she was that age. Aye, so I've heard. Then he said loudly, Mary! A faint pink color came into her cheeks, but she did not show by look or movement that she had heard. James looked significantly at her husband. The old woman stood still for a minute with a cup in each hand, and smiled her slow, subtle smile. Well, I hope you liked the Christmas present. I can relate to Mary. I love silence, and I agree it makes a great gift. But before I go silent for the time being, let me remind you that if you leave a rating and review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, I'll send you a Christmas card any time of year containing a Christmas past sticker. Write me at christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com for details. That email address is also the place to send your Christmas memory to be included in an episode this season. Record yourself on your phone's voice recorder app, keep it short like a minute give or take, and then send it sometime soon because the Christmas season will be here before you know it. Christmas Past is produced in sunny San Mateo, California by yours truly, Brian Earle. Look for Christmas Past on Twitter and Instagram, and definitely join the Christmas Past Facebook group. We have so much fun there. And find articles, quizzes, videos, show notes, and much more at christmaspast.media. 